Well, as I said, the, uh, we are celebrating the birth of Christ, but um, we don't know the day that, of the week that Jesus was born. Uh, we do know, though, the day of the week that Jesus was reborn. We know that Jesus was resurrected from the grave on a Sunday, which is why Christians gather on Sundays, the first day of the week, to remember the resurrected Christ. And so that's why Christians call Sundays the Lord's Day, because we remember Jesus' rebirth. And so what a delight it is to celebrate the birth of Christ and the rebirth of Christ uh, on Christmas Day. Now, of course, we do that every Sunday, but it's especially happening uh, this morning. And so I can't think of a better place to be on Christmas morning than right here. So thankful that you guys have chosen to uh, gather with us this morning as we consider the beauty of Christ. And so uh, we as our church have been meditating this Advent season on the I Am statements of Christ. We've been taking a look at them, and uh, there are seven of them. This will be the fourth, and uh, we'll transition next week. Our brother Ray will preach to us from Romans. But uh, this morning will be the last consideration of them. But we're going to be considering Christ, this one of whom was born, that we celebrate was born today. We're going to be considering him from John 10. Uh, And so far, up till now, the last three weeks, we have considered three other I am statements of Jesus. Uh, We considered, first of all, when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. So just as manna came down to the Israelites in the wilderness and gave them life, physical life, so Christ comes down to us as our daily bread, giving us spiritual life. Jesus, we also consider the next week was, he said, I am the light of the world. And so just as God spoke the world into existence, and on that first day said, let there be light, so God sent Christ into the world to light up the darkness of the world we live in, to show us God. Last week, we considered how Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. And so as God led his people through in the wilderness, led them eventually into the land of Canaan, into the promised land. So God sent Christ into the world to lead us into the true and lasting land of promise, into heaven. And so this morning we consider uh, another statement, this statement where Jesus says, I am the door. I am the door. Maybe not the passage you thought you were going to come in and hear this Christmas morning, uh, but I would like to suggest to you that this statement is very much Uh, related to the Christmas message or the Christmas reason as to why Jesus came. You'll see that exactly. Take a look. John chapter 10, verse 1. I'll read down to verse 10, and you'll see it, the Christmas kind of turn there right at the end. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But The sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
It's the word of the Lord. And so we, we see there that uh, Jesus says that he's the door twice in that passage. And we ask the question, Jesus, why did you come at Christmas? If we were to ask him that, why did you come? Why did Jesus become a man, the second person of the Trinity, and dwell upon this earth? And straight from the lips of Christ himself, he tells you why he came at Christmas. Verse 10, I came that they may have life and have it abundant. We might ask the question, well, how is it we get that abundant life, Jesus? And he would have told us by going to the door. And we would have then say, well, who is the door? And Jesus would say, I am the door. That's what he would have told us. And so Christmas happened because God wanted to give us the greatest gift of all, the gift of abundant life. And so God sent a door from heaven to make a way to heaven. We'll answer more specifically in a minute what this abundant life is. But for now, let's try to consider those that try and go around that door that Jesus says he is. See, we're picking up right here in John 10. We're picking up a conversation here in John chapter 10 on the heels of Jesus interacting with some of those extra biblical zealots known as the Pharisees. So these dudes like to use the Bible in order to go beyond the Bible in order to gain authority over the people of the Bible. And so since they, these Pharisees, went beyond the Bible, well, they didn't like the Jesus of whom the Bible pointed to. They liked their own authority and they wanted to keep it. And so as a result, Jesus and these dudes, the Pharisees, are always in these kind of sparring matches. And that leads us to Jesus' comment there in verse 1 about trying to enter into the sheepfold by another way. You can see it again in verse 1. That's what these Pharisees and many today try to do. They try and create alternative ways into the people of God instead of going through the door God has made for his people to go through. And so, friends, beware of shepherds that invent ways into becoming part of the people of God. Sometimes those deceptive shepherds know that they're deceptive. Sometimes uh, they don't know that they are deceptive because they themselves are deceived. And those shepherds might take the form of pastors who have been to seminaries and have degrees and written books. Other times those false shepherds might be school teachers or business leaders or entertainers or politicians or even close friends. But once again, Jesus says you will know that they are deceived and are deceiving you based off of what door they're taking you to. That's how you know, based off of what door they're taking you to. If they don't lead you to the door of the biblical Christ, the son of the living God, the bread of life, the light of the world, the great shepherd of the sheep, if they're not leading you to the door, and instead some variation of that door or some denial of that door altogether, well, you can be sure, friend, that they are leading you to something that that which is not life, but death instead. Jesus says of these false shepherds that they try and climb into the people of God. They try to climb into that sheepfold, he says, by another way. And thus they are. He deems them. Jesus says that they're thieves and robbers. You can see that in verse 1 and verse 8. And we ask the question, well, what is it thieves and robbers do? Well, it's pretty simple, right? What do thieves and robbers do? They take. That's what they do is they take. And what is it, Jesus would have us to ask, what, what is it that they try and climb into the sheepfold of the church and take? What is it they're trying to take? Trying to take. Well, evidently, they're trying to take that which is true and lasting life. They try and steal the abundant life that is promised in Christ by convincing you of other ways. 
Verse 10, Jesus says there, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus says, but the Son of God comes, the door comes to give life. Thieves coming in, breaking in, trying to take. Jesus comes trying to give. These Pharisees are thieves and robbers. They're trying to identify with the people of God, with the sheep and the sheepfold, or using modern-day language, they are trying to identify themselves with the church, trying to understand themselves or confessing themselves to be Christians. But instead, they're trying to take everything away from you. They want to steal your life from you. They want to kill your joy. They want to destroy your reason for living. So friends, this Christmas morning, do not follow anyone that is not leading you to the door of the biblical Christ. Don't believe them when they tell you there's another way to climb in. Don't believe them when they say that there are other ways, other doors, and there can't be just one door. And friends, you should know this Christmas morning that it is a spoiled generation that believes that only one door to heaven is narrow-minded or intolerant. Why should we have, or why should we expect any door at all? Much less two doors, or ten doors, or a hundred doors. Why should we expect even one door from God? What have we done? What have, what have I done to deserve anything from God? Does God owe us something? The Apostle Paul poses this very question when he asks the question, Who has been the Lord's counselor? Who has given a gift to the Lord that we should be repaid? This makes me think of a time when I met a man on the streets that was looking for a meal. And I was happy to feed him, happy to take him in and to eat with him. I was on my way to Panera. and um, I said to him, I'd be happy to feed him and just to sit down and talk with him, get to know him. And as I walked over to Panera, he said, I don't want to go to Panera. I want to go to Chipotle. Okay. So we went to Chipotle. But the point there is, is we're so much the same, aren't we? We're all beggars. Who are we to demand that we not go to this restaurant instead go to that one? Who are we to demand that there be more than one door, as it were? And yet the wonder of it all, as we learn on Christmas morning, is that God not only offers us a door, but he offers us his son to go through in order to get there. He offers us a door that leads to abundant life if we would but die to ourselves. And so let me now take you to that door. Take a look again at verse 7 and 9. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters, how? By me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. So we can't climb into being the people of God by some other way. To be sure, there are plenty of ways. I want to be clear about that. There are plenty of ways, but there's only one door that leads to life eternal. Plenty of ways, but only one door, only one way that leads to life eternal. There's plenty of ways in both formalized and in, especially in informalized religions. There's only one way, one door that leads to salvation and life abundant. And to believe otherwise, friends, is to believe that God wasted his son at Christmas. If there was another way, another door that leads to salvation and abundant life, 
then God never needed to send His only Son into the earth. If there was another way to salvation, another door, then God was foolish and wasteful to send Christ to the earth. The horror of the cross would be testimony enough that God should not be worshipped or followed. But since that is not the case, and we do have a door at all, all the more Christ Jesus the Lord, we rejoice that we have mercy and love in the person and the work of Christ the door. Jesus humbled himself and became dependent upon a woman he made in Mary so that he could open up a passageway that would free us from our sin and guilt and deliver us then into everlasting life. This is why Christmas is what it is. I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. And we asked Jesus, how? How, Jesus? How is the passageway into heavenly pasture built? We'll look at the very next verse in verse 11. John 10, 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. We thought about this last week. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. There's the doorway into the heavenly realm. Heavenly pastures. God had to come at Christmas because he knew we could never come to him. No matter how many good works or good intentions we might have, it will never be enough. God knew that. Therefore, God so loved the world that he sent the door of heaven into the world so that we might walk through it in faith. And that door is none other than the person and the work of Christ. He lays down his perfect life for our imperfect life. His death becomes the death of all those that trust in his full and atoning work on the cross. Jesus creates a door to heaven by paying for its construction with his own perfect life. It's amazing. Therefore, for all who trust and treasure him can enter in through the very same one that we offended, that I offended, is the same way that I get in. It's amazing. His righteousness gets counted to the one that repents and believes. The sin of the sheep gets transferred to the shepherd of the sheep as he lays his life down for them on the cross. He takes our sin and we, broken over our sin and what it costs, in glad-hearted faith, take his righteousness in faith. Therefore, those of us who are in Christ, we then, through him, are able to find pasture. And not just any pasture. The greatest of pastures. With the greenest of grasses and the most refreshing streams of water. Abundant life. God did all of this for sinners like me and you. And it was all purchased by the shepherd, by the Savior. If, don't lose sight of that in verse 9, see it there. If anyone enters by this Jesus, he or she will be saved. Guys, that's a promise. You will be saved, Jesus says. And if you go through Jesus and are saved, he says you will go in and out and find pasture. In other words, you will have abundant life. The shepherd will watch over you. The shepherd will care for you. The shepherd will protect you because he what? Bought you. And he bought you so that you might have his abundant life. He invited you to the door of his life because he wanted to give back what you lost in your sin. One author put it this way. He says, 
The incarnation, which is Jesus becoming man, the incarnation took all that properly belongs to our humanity and delivered it back to us, redeemed. All of our inclinations and appetites and capacities and yearnings are purified and gathered up and glorified by Christ. He did not come to thin out human life. He came to set it free. All the dancing and feasting and singing and building and sculpting and baking and merrymaking that belong to us and that were stolen away in our service to false gods are returned to us in the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? You can see why the angels sang to those shepherds at Christmas. They knew not only that a door was coming, but it was coming through the person that they had been singing about since their entire existence. They were amazed, these angels, that not only a way was going to be made for sinners, but it was the person, it was the Christ, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, the very same one of whom the angels had been singing over and enjoying for centuries. They knew he was about to accomplish the gospel, the good news of great joy, which shall be for not only the Jews, but for all the nations to enter into. He was coming into the world. And this one that was coming into the world in Christ was not like the others. Jesus tells us he came not to steal, kill, and destroy, but he came that we might have life. He came to give. And not just give something, a little bit of something. He gave to he came to give abundantly. And lest there be any confusion about the door, friends, Jesus is not simply the gateway to abundant life. It should be clear this Christmas morning, he is the abundant life. See, by Jesus saying he is the door, it'd be easy to believe that he's like the ticket that gets you into what you really want to do. Right? As though there's something called abundant life that is beyond or outside of him. Well, friend, Jesus is not the door to Disney World where you just kind of go through him to get onto the rides that you really want to ride. Right? Jesus is not the front door of grandma's house that leads you to the gifts that you really want to enjoy for yourself. Right? But be sure, there are people that kind of talk about Jesus in that way, but that is not the case. That's not what he's talking about here. When Jesus says he is the door, he is both the door and the ride at Disney World. Right? He is both the door at grandma's house and he's those gifts on the inside. Right? He is Jesus Christ is the abundant life. And in that way, he is not only the door, in that way, he's not only the shepherd, but Jesus then is also the pasture that we enjoy. Beloved, Jesus didn't lay his life down for you only to give you something of lesser value than himself. He wouldn't go to those links and give us anything less than that which is the greatest treasure of all, which again is himself. He's not an idolater. He doesn't break the first command. Jesus is the door which leads to life with Christ. He's our abundant life. That's why he will say later in John 14, I am not only the way, but the truth and the what? Life. I am the life, right? So Jesus is the door that leads to abundant life with him. Let me just rehearse for you just a few ways of how life with Christ is abundant life. How he's the door and he's the pasture. Let me just give you a few examples. When I come into the door of Christ and I walk through Christ, I come into the pasture of justification. My guilt in the greatest court of the world is dealt with. I've been declared righteous, not in myself, but in Christ. 
Therefore, while the world may want to think me ugly or cancel me or guilty or trash or whatever, I don't have to worry about that. Because with Christ, I'm counted innocent in the eyes of God. Jesus is my justification. In him, I have innocence and righteousness. Isn't that amazing? I have that with him. By coming to the door of Jesus in faith and walking through him, I come into the pasture of redemption in Christ. I've been redeemed. I don't need to pay God off for all of my wrongs. I'm free. No longer slave to my sin. I'm able to do what I was made to do. I can choose life. I can choose righteousness. I'm no longer a slave to my passions by the power of the Spirit. I can choose all that is good, right, and true by His grace and for His glory. I can choose Christ every day in my redemption as my daily bread. It's amazing. By coming to and through the door of Christ in faith, I come into the pasture of a family. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, by choosing Christ or by Christ choosing me and walking through that door, I've been reconciled to God as my father. (laughs) I'm no longer an enemy of God. And not only am I not an enemy, I'm a friend of God. And not only am I not a, and not only am I just a friend, I'm an adopted son of God. And I've done nothing to deserve it and everything to not deserve it. Meaning that God then is for me. And if God is for me, right, who can be against me? So what does it really matter if the whole world is set against me? The God of the universe has made me his. And I have all of that because of my beloved Savior, Christ the Lord. By coming to and through the door of Christ, I come into the pasture of a perfect government. Jesus is my king. My passport says that my citizenship is in his kingdom. I have that because of him. That's abundant life. That's an amazing abundant life to have Christ as king. I don't, I don't have to be drugged down by all the kind of tribalism or one-upmanship that is common today. I have a good and gracious king that is powerful and uses his authority for my good and for his glory. And knowing as I serve him that his kingdom is never going to be shaken. Meaning I can live with hope in a world that seems to be shaking all the time. And all of that is mine in Christ, my king. By coming to and through the door of Christ, I come into a pasture. And by knowing that, listen, in Christ, I know where I'm going. That's amazing. I know where I'm going. I'm going to see him of whom my soul loves. He tells me, he promises me, and he promises you, Christian. I'm building a place for you that where I am there, you may also be. Right? So I know I'm going to be with him. That day's going to come. I'm going to finally get to see him. We talked about that last night with Simeon, right? Simeon got to see Jesus. A day's going to come. I'm going to see my salvation. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. We thought about this a couple weeks ago when we considered Jesus' statement about the light of the world. Jesus says in John 12 that those who live in darkness do not know where they're going. Describes so much of the hopelessness of our world. And I want to say to you, maybe that's you, you're kind of living in darkness. I just want to say to you, can I offer you to come to the door so you would know where you're going? Sometimes it's hard to see. For me, sometimes it's hard to see. 
But in Christ, I know where to go. I know where to point others because I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with my Savior, my friend, my King, my Lord. I'm going to be with Jesus. But finally, I could go on like this, by the way, for the rest of the day, but I won't. (laughs) By coming to and through the door of Jesus in faith, I come into the pasture of God's love. I'm loved. So, and by that, I don't mean some kind of squishy kind of love, like a celebrity's loved on by some screaming fan. No, I mean love in the deepest sense. John 10, take a look at John 10, verse 3, and look at verse 14. I'm fully known and therefore fully loved. Jesus didn't lay his life down for a bunch of crowd of nameless sinners. It wasn't as though when he laid his life down, he was sort of like, mm, I hope somebody responds. Oh, he knew my name, it says, before the foundation of the world. Meaning he knew what he was getting into when he chose me. And he still chose to go willingly to the cross on my behalf. God, amazingly, doesn't regret getting involved with me. I'm fully known and fully loved, never left, never forsaken. When I come to the door of Christ and go out into the pasture, I come to Christ and go into the pasture of Christ's heart. And I get to enjoy him every day. I'm justified, redeemed, adopted. I'm giving a king and a kingdom. I know where I'm going. I'm not alone. Jesus promises to be with me. He's given me the sheepfold to walk with me and me with you. And he loves me perfectly as I try in my weak attempts to love him back every day. This, friends, is the abundant life that Jesus came to offer us at Christmas. This is why he came. Where else would you recommend we go to find abundant life? I ask you that this Christmas morning. Where else would we go to find not just life, but abundant life? Here, friend, is the door. Here's the door. Here is the pasture that we get to go into. It's the person and the heart of Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our King, our brother, our friend. In him is life and liberty and forever happiness. This is the Jesus that we celebrate today, the door to the pasture of God's beautiful heart. So I invite you this morning, come to the door this Christmas. Walk through him and then wander about the pasture of his heart today. Feast upon the lustness of his love. Drink the streams of his joy. Explore every corner of his pasture because in every valley and mountain, there is not just life, but is abundant life. No matter what gift you do or don't receive today, friend, no gift will compare to what he offers you in Christ. Don't try to climb in some other door. Come straight to the door. Come all you weak and needy. Come all you sinful and sore. Come all you faithful. And yes, come all you unfaithful. Come to Jesus and find abundant life, both today and forevermore. Come to the door and enter freely. I offer you no life apart from him. But in him, I offer you everything. And so let's go to him now in prayer. Jesus, you are the door. We think about Jacob's ladder, heavens, the angels, rising and falling, going up and down between heaven and earth. You're that ladder. You're that door. And you've come near. 
And you've accomplished salvation for us. You've made a way. Not only just to sort of get the better of two options in heaven, but to give us abundant life. Not eternal existence, eternal joy. And we believe this morning, this Christmas morning, it's found in you. The angels were right to sing of your praise. Oh God, that we would do the same. Oh, that we would come to the door and then walk through you, Jesus, and enjoy you every day, speaking and inviting others to that same door. Thank you that you've come near. We come to you and walk through you this morning in faith. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Help us to love you more. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.